Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's um, Tuesday. I just got back from college. <coughs> and I've been asked by a number of people to speak about the situation. I'm not sure 100% why, but I guess they mean with the history or something like that. And... Oh, yeah, but a number of people already sent in to sponsor us, so it's funny. But uh, I'm, I'm not laughing, I'm just saying it's uh, funny. So to go in order, I'm going to say a few words today, which is uh, under the pushing and the sponsorship and the pushing of Avrami Mary in New York. And uh, let's see where this goes. Um, first of all, <clears throat> without anything elaborate, um, at least I don't expect to, but we'll see. Um, first of all, Israel got caught with its pants down. It was a major uh, surprise, as we know. They weren't expecting it, and that's the tragedy of... It's a repeat, in other words, of the 73 war. With all their uh, information and uh, intelligence capabilities, Israel got completely surprised. So that's number one. Uh, and they got surprised by uh, the Hamas. Uh, and the question is, Why? And I can only, like I say, I was just asked to give my opinion. All I'm doing is giving my take on it. I don't say this is right. This is how I understand it. Okay? And in order to follow this, you got to know from the beginning. So let's do a little history lesson over here. There's something called the Gaza Strip. This used to be part of the Gaza, this whole area, was part of the British Mandate of Palestine. It was a big Arab area. There were Jews there hundreds of years ago, but not for a long time. Especially in twentieth century, they kicked out any Jews. Shine. Um, in nineteen forty-seven, when they partitioned Palestine, the United Nations said he's a part of being the Jewish state, part of being the Arab state. Gaza was in the Arab state. Okay, but the Arabs never accepted the partition, and they attacked Israel. So then you had the forty-eight, forty-nine war. The big nakuda is Israel did not conquer the Gaza Strip in the 48-49 war. The Egyptian army came and took it over, and they fought very courageously to keep the Jews out. Egyptians fought very tough in 48-49 on the defensive. In spite of what I just said, there was one time in early 49 when the Israeli army could have taken over the whole Gaza Strip. There was one Nakuda, and Truman stopped it. The United States. So as a result... When Israel, the war finally ended, the Gaza Strip was not part of Israel. It uh, wasn't part of an Arab state because no Arab state came into being. But instead, Jordan took about two-thirds of the territory and added it to Jordan. And Egypt, although Egypt said we're not annexing it, and they didn't, they said we're holding this so the Jews shouldn't get it. So, meanwhile, Gaza and that whole area was full of Arabs, especially not only the locals, but a lot of people that ran away or kicked out in various areas in Israel, they ran to the, to, to the um, Gaza area. So you already had a large population there. <clears throat> it is interesting that during the Truman administration, there was a proposal once or twice, Israel should annex the Gaza Strip, but then they have to keep all the Arabs. 
And Ben-Gurion said, no, thank you. Whether he was right or wrong is a separate question. But no, thank you, because Israel had like 152,000 Arabs already. And if he had the Gaza Strip, it'll like triple that. And uh, he said, that's too big of an Arab population. So they didn't do it. So the result was that the Gaza Strip is like sticking a finger into Israel, so to speak. And um, it became a big headquarters for Arab raids into Israel. You can't blame the Arabs. They were kicked out by the Jews as they saw it. They wanted to get back. And therefore, it came a place from the Arabs to raid into Israel. And uh, it was always a mess. And Israel counter-raided. So there were a lot of things back and forth in the 50s. In the 56th war, Israel took over the Gaza Strip from Egypt, but then they had to give it back right away. That's the story of Eisenhower and the Israelis. In 67... Um, in 1960, so meanwhile, there was building up a, a super resentment against Israel, you know, just festered. In 1967, Israel again took over the Gaza Strip and held it for 25 years. So that means from 67 to the early 90s, the Israeli army was garrisoning the city of Gaza. They didn't want the Israelis there. The Israelis didn't want them there. And... Uh, they had a tough time because no, because a lot of terrorism, in other words, as they saw freedom fighting, and so they would snipe and blow up the Israelis and all that kind of stuff, you know, urban warfare. And again, it's a question, could Israel control it? I remember when I was a little kid, they used to say, in the West Bank, I'm talking about right after the 67 war, the West Bank, you can go, but the Gaza, you got to watch out because they were throwing stones already even right away, um, right after the 67 war. And it got worse. So that became a big headquarters of Arafat stuff, Fatah, PLO, and all that. Uh, it got so bad that Golda Meir sent in Ariel Sharon, who was a general at that time, and she basically said, do whatever you need to do to stop this. And Sharon played hardball. I'm not going to go into all the details, but he fought a very sneaky war against him, and he crushed them. Understand? Like he had a list of people to kill, and, uh, you know, one after another, and they did it. And so through a really tough and brutal situation, they broke the back of the resistance. I think it was around 1970, if I remember correctly. And, um, you know, with the army and the Shin Bet and all that stuff. But still, it was seething. Now, Israel was always worried that the PLO, the Arafat faction, is going too well entrenched there. It's getting strong. And so Israel allowed, or they even fostered, a gigantic mistake. The Arafat group was very political. They were Muslim, of course. Everybody is over there. But they're mainly focused on a secular uh, state, to get their own secular state. Uh, meanwhile, a different group came into uh, being... And Israel allowed it to happen. In fact, they even fostered it a little bit, and that's Hamas. Now, the Hamas is part of what you call the Muslim Brotherhood. You probably never heard of that. But that's a big thing in Egypt that started in the uh, 1920s and 30s. And the Muslim Brotherhood was like super stark Muslims. And they were already fighting Israel in the 48 war, but they were always like secondary. The Egyptian government never trusted them. They tried to kill the king of Egypt. And instead, the king of Egypt killed the head of the Muslim Brotherhood. And ever since then, there's been a constant war between the Egyptian government on the one hand and the Muslim Brotherhood on the other. Again, I'm just simplifying. But they have branches in other countries. The one in, in, in Palestine was Hamas. 
And Israel, stupidly, the army allowed this to develop. They let this guy be a sheik and have set up a tzedakah fund and uh, social welfare systems and all the rest of it. Because they said it's not going to be violent. It's going to be focused on religious stuff. No, they thought it's like yeshivish or something, but it wasn't. Secretly, they're building up a tight organization. And that's where the Hamas trouble comes for us today. In not Again, I'm just giving the basics. In 93, 94, Israel gave the Gaza Strip to Arafat. It's part of the Oslo Agreement. They say you can take it over. Just make sure there's no terrorism here or anything like that. Because at that time, Israel already saw that Hamas is becoming into a monster. They're going into terrorism against Israel. They're better than Arafat in doing what they do, or they're worse from our perspective. And not only that, but they're super fanatical and so they'll never make peace with Israel, ever. So I want you to concentrate on what I just said. You're fighting somebody who says, never, ever, ever will I make peace with you. I'm going to keep fighting till I kill you. It can take A year can take a hundred years. My goal is simple, and I'm not hiding it. I want to kill you. I want to get rid of Israel and get rid of all the Jews. That's it. That, that, that's, what, that's who I am. That's what I want to do. Hold on for a second. I got interrupted. Um, when Israel gave the Gaza Strip to Arafat, which was supposed to be the beginning of his taking over of all the Palestinian parts, which never exactly happened, um, so it was with the idea that Arafat would crush the Hamas, after all, the rivals of himself. But he did not do that, for a bunch of reasons. And so, he had really a situation in which in Gaza Strip you have the Arafat group, which is against Israel, but not Beferish, because... They promised in the Oslo Accords not to be that way, even though they were lying. And then you had the Hamas, who doesn't hide anything. Now think what I just said. Somebody's out to get you and kill you sooner or later. It can be very depressing, because you're telling me not only I have to fight, but my kids, my grandchildren, and so forth, little and void. Um, you can understand why possibly somebody would say, if that's the case, I don't want to live in Israel. I'll move to America. I'll move to Australia, you know, wherever. So my kids won't have to be in, the, in a war. I hear the vart, but if you do that, then everybody leaves. So as a result of what I just said, you can understand that there's been a long feeling, especially I would call it the left, but I don't mean in a bad way, but uh, a feeling that um, it can't be that way. The truth is so bad that it can't be that way. It must really be possible that you can make a peace. And that the Arabs would keep it. Um, if the person was convinced that there is not possible, it could get too depressing. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes there's a truth that's just, that can't be swallowed. And so, and I hear why, because I was fighting, and this was fighting, and I was wounded, and my kids would get wounded, and my grandchildren get wounded, and killed, you know. I hear the part. I, I get it. So, um, as a result of this, there's always been a strong movement in the left that to, to tell themselves that you can you can make peace with Arafat, you can make peace with Abu Mazi, you can make... And even over the long haul, they talk themselves that you can make peace with the Hamas. I, the Hamas says they'll kill you and all the rest of it. And they make no bones about it. Well, it turns out, based on the newest news reports I see, but even without that, that, um, that the following happened. I forget when, early in the 2000s, the Hamas... Uh, I think after Arafat died, maybe around that time, they made a coup and they took over complete total dictatorship 
in the Gaza Strip. They killed out all the pro-Arafat guys. That's what they did. So now they totally control it, which they never had before. So you have a piece of land, uh, which is controlled by these super uh, uh, fanatical enemies of Israel who want Israel wiped out. They do not want peace with them. You know what I said? They don't, and, and they said that. They do not want peace with them. Okay. So now what? So the thing is, uh, on the other hand, they're not strong enough to wipe out Israel. They'd like to be, but they're not. And the situation was such that even depend on Israel for getting money, it's, it's, it's weird. But there broke out clashes over the years. The um, Hamas is very smart because many of them were in Israel in jails and other things like that. And they know that one thing that Israel does not want is to have law, uh, lose a lot of soldiers. That's who we are. And after the Yom Kippur War, and after they lost so many men in Lebanon, and they lost, the, you know, in this place and that place, Israelis didn't want to lose anything. On the other hand, what are we supposed to do? You have gods over here that would like to kill us. You know, how, how does that work? Right? How does that work? And the way there developed a certain pattern, because the Hamas knew Israel doesn't lose them a lot of men, they dug in and entrenched themselves very heavily in the Gaza area. This is what I'm afraid of with the new war. They're planning for invasion and fight them like Stalingrad, house by house, roof by roof. And even if you beat me, I kill so many of your guys along the way that you don't consider it a success. As far as Israel is concerned, this is the situation they faced ever since, I don't know, you know, the 1990s and early 2000s. Moreover, Ariel Sharon pulled out the Israeli settlements in the Gush Katif, so they gave the whole Gaza Strip without any, you know, things whatsoever to the Arabs, and then afterwards uh, Hamas took over the whole business. So the Imamish have a whole large area just to themselves. And they put in so much defensive stuff that yes, you can beat me because Israel is a bigger army, but you lose so many men that really it will be a Pyrrhic victory and we will have won because we'll damage the morale and all the rest of it. And Israel has never wanted to have a bloody fight and lose a lot of people, particularly because you can't keep the land anyway. So let's just say, for example, in 2006, 2010, 2014, whatever, all those years, let's say that the Hamas shot in a bunch of rockets in Israel or made a raid or something like that. It's, oh, this time we're going to get you. Really? So you can send the whole Tzahal. They have caves, they have tunnels, everything is booby-trapped. They learned this stuff from Afghanistan and from Iraq. And there's plenty of American soldiers, wounded, maimed, this, that, and the other. They did it to the Ruskies in, in Afghanistan and other places. So that what you end up doing is causing so much damage to the other side that the other side pulls out. You get it? So let's say I was the Prime Minister of Israel. I don't know, I'm making this up in 2010. And let's say Hamas bombed us or something like this. I'm going to send the Israeli army. Let's say we I'm just making this up. Let's say we lose 500,000. That's a lot. And then what do you do? You conquer a neighborhood or two or three. The Iker guys get away or hide out. And then the UN and everybody says you can't hold on to this forever. Israel has to pull out. And they go back to square one. Then they're there again. They start up all over again. You get it? Not only that, but they made it worse because if you kidnap a soldier or two or three or four, then you have a Gilad Shalit situation where the whole Israel freaks out because that's our nature. We care about the hostages and things like that, usually. 
And those remember, the Israel ended up giving lots of, of uh, Hamas prisoners that Israel captured in the terrorism, let them go free into Gaza to make more trouble. Uh, and so they became a bucky in this business of, you know, uh, defensive stuff and terrorism and uh, hostages and all the rest of it. And of course, they have pure propaganda. It doesn't matter whether they're telling the truth or not. They're lying, but they're but they're very uh, assiduous at what they do. And then the Israelis say, "Oh yes, we were fools. I lost a son, a brother, a mother, a this, that, and the other, fighting for a certain street in Gaza, and then we had to give it up anyway." You see, so it, it uh, really graded on the Israeli morale. As a result, uh, Israel, especially under Bibi, came up with the following thing. Uh, I remember next time they're shooting and, and, and launching uh, trouble into Israel, Israel fought in such a way that they don't mamas go into Gaza, you understand? They bomb it. They use the Air Force because Israel's an Air Force and they don't. They don't have the airstrip. And so you use Air Force because that way, you know, you don't lose anybody and you can inflict damage on them, but not really because their guys can always hide out somewhere you don't know where they are. But Israel can at least say, see, we pasted you, we bombed you, we smashed your neighbors, we killed people, this, that, and the other. So you messed with us and we got you. But really, 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 it was no victory at all because they just went back to square one as soon as the fighting was over. This has happened repeatedly. And that's why uh, in recent years, whenever there's been, and it's more often than we remember, every time the, uh, the Hamas or somebody like that shoots into Israel, Israel has a certain amount of bombing, but then within a few days, it's a ceasefire, and you go back to square one. And Bibi congratulated himself to see we got out of this mess without losing a lot of men. Okay? I remember last time they even tried to, um, you know, kidnap an extra soldier or two or something. Israel was proud that they prevented that from happening. They got Hadar Golden's body back, and all, all, all that kind of business. Okay? But it's a matter of fighting in tunnels and, uh, you know, sneaky places. I tell you, it's not a regular battlefield. It calls for urban warfare. Now, Israel has a base where they teach urban warfare. That They do. But it's a different type of warfare altogether. And the only way to really win is being incredibly ruthless, like the Russians were when they fought in Germany. The Germans hit in cities. The Russians just blew, blew up every house. That's all. Heck with you. Uh, the Americans did that, by the way, in World War II when they invaded Germany. The Germans fought back. They just had to send in the Air Force and flatten the town. But that's during the war. And you know and I know Israel usually doesn't have that luxury. Consequently, in each case, you might say that, that, that the Hamas won by surviving and showing they could hit Israel, even though they get hit back. They, they In a certain way, like won. Okay? Now, this turned into a pattern. It's happened many times. The only time I don't think it happened was under Trump, interestingly. But all the other times. Happens again, happens again. And America's always said we back Israel and so on and so forth. But within a short while, you know, the pressure builds up. May I say, yeah, here in Kutzla Arts, they know what they're doing. The Hamas always activates all these uh, pro-Arab, anti-Jewish groups. I repeat, anti-Jewish groups. They'll march all over the place to cause a lot of trouble in in Kutzla Arts. I expect this is going to happen soon. And uh, that's also a pressure for Israel to stop. You see? I mean, that's how it goes, because you build up the feelings in the Muslim world, and they go crazy. And now to help, to make things worse, you have Jewish groups that support them, the, 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 the Muslim groups. It's, it, they're nuts, but there you have it. And so the result is that the basic Hamas strategy kind of works. 
Now, BB will say to this, what do you want me to do? Send in a big army, lose a lot of people, and then have to give it up anyway? Like, how can I do that? And I get that point. However, what everybody knows is, so what are you going to do? What, no, what's the final solution? What, how do you solve the problem of Hamas? Israel has never had an answer to that. Because they don't feel like they can go in and just kill everybody. On the other hand, the other guys are not going away. And so they'll be here tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. And they do want to wipe you out. Right? And they make no bones about it. And, you know, so what's the answer? So all he can say is, I'm sitting on the pressure cooker. You know what I mean? Israel's holding them back. And that's basically all we can do. I, the population in Gaza Strip alone, is more than 2 million now. 2 million. <laughs> it's gigantic. Um... To, you know, Israel said, I'm just doing the, you know, we're, we have a band-aid on the situation because there is nothing else we can do. There's no way that we can ever bring this a political solution. That has bothered Israel. Oh, did I skip anything? This has bothered Israel a lot because they like to think that there's some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. There's some kind of political solution. Uh, and apparently the Hamas is clever enough to realize this. And therefore, lately, they've been making noises as if to say, really, 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 the leopard is changing its spots. And we're going to become like Arafat, not right away, but little by little. And you'll see, we're going to be pragmatic. After all, we don't have a viable situation in the Gaza Strip. We need Israel's help and all the rest of it. And so sooner or later, we'll change from being a group that doesn't want to have a political, uh, any kind of peace with Israel, to a group that's willing to have a peace. Maybe there'll be groups to the right of us, you know, who won't, but we will, uh, will, will eventually become pragmatic and make a peace treaty with Israel of some sort. Israel wants to hear that in the worst way. The Hamas very brilliantly, in a sneaky way, played on these feelings. And that's why Israel was caught with, in my opinion, that's why Israel was caught with his pants down. Because... They weren't the groups that shot rockets recently into Israel in the last couple of years. They have been making noises, especially secretly, to Israel saying, one day things will be different. Even though we say now we want to wipe you out, but Lamaisa, Lamaisa, not. Or we'll get used to it. Israel wants to hear that desperately, so Israel has always talked itself into this. Same way they did in, in Oslo with, with, with Arafat. Again, I'm telling you my opinion. And I hear why, because it can't be that the world will go on and on and on and on, and it'll never stop. Which is the case, I'm sorry to say. But they don't want to hear that. They'll say, cats, shut up. You know, you're living in America, just shut up. And I understand where they're coming from, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong. I, I'm, I wish I was. I don't want to be right. But that's what it is. And so, uh, Israel became convinced that they're never really going to come across the border in that kind of big way. And when they talk about this, it's pure, you know, propaganda for their own side. It's posturing. And they want to show the groups to the right of them that they're very stark. But really, you know, they're pragmatic. When I say pragmatic, it means they're willing down the line to eventually make a peace with Israel. So that there'll be a state called Gaza, be another state called Israel, and possibly a third state, a place called you know, um, West Bank or whatever. That's the way they see it. And in their mind, and this is what Israel has been worrying about for the last couple of years, and I don't blame them, 
uh, they want to take over the West Bank too. So then Israel Mamashev, a Palestinian state run by Hamas, flanked on both sides on one side by the Gaza Strip, one side by the West Bank. And if they take over the West Bank, they'll turn it into also into a defensive situation, a Stalingrad. So Israel won't be going to the West Bank because they'll lose too many men. And maybe in the long run, they'll grind Israel down that way. In other words, not today, not tomorrow, but the day after tomorrow. So Israel has been worried about that. And they have reason to worry about it. And even as I speak to you right now, it's a major goal of Hamas to do exactly that, which is take over the West Bank. Which is why Israel doesn't care what Abu Mazen says all the time against Israel in, in, in public. He's better than the Hamas. A million times better. As bad as he is. Have I confused you? I hope not. So, uh, but it's confusing, you know. And consequently, uh, this is what how Israel was asleep at the switch, in my opinion. Because, meanwhile, all this time, Damas is thinking differently. They really are lusting to kill Jews. I mean, it sounds like I'm making a, a statement here, but I, I, I'm speaking quite seriously. It's, it's a major mitzvah on their part. They hope that they can hit Israel so hard that it'll freak the Jews out to all run away from the country. That's how they persuade themselves. Israel now has 7 million Jews, more. So they hope that most of them will, will run away, being afraid of terrorism. When they show how vicious they are, it'll drive you crazy, and you'll say, I'm not going to live here. That's their plan. And what they do to my kids, and torture little children like you saw, and the rape, and this, and that, and the other. So it's called terrorism. Terror means I terrorize you. I get to your mind. So then we get to the, the whole fight is to get to the mind. A weak side has to do that. A strong side so will conquer you militarily. A weak side has to, uh, you know, play, try to play with your mind, which often works. They beat America in Vietnam. They beat the French. You know, um, uh, the Afghanistan beat the Russians. I mean, you know, uh, it can work sometimes, you know, if you play with somebody's mind. It's actually an interesting phenomenon. The only thing is, the Russians could go back to Russia and the Americans go back to America. Is The Jews can go nowhere. You see? So, that's why they deliberately plan this uh, extra vicious attack and kill as many civilians and stuff like that as they can. And, and you know, and shecht bodies and, and do malicha and, uh, you know, um, nikur and the, all, all that kind of... That's what they like to do. Uh, they come from a culture where they like violence, you understand? In other words, the, the, the things that make you and I sick, chopping off heads, they like it. So they're trying to um, capitalize on the fact that they like this and we don't. And therefore they're putting out all the, you know, only they were doing and video themselves doing it. So it means it's like, ah, sure, you know, they're, they're proud of it. And, um, and therefore you had this invasion with the terrible atrocities. Now, it seems that it didn't go exactly the way they want. The Hainu. Israel's not freaked out. Everybody's running away. I'm sure some are, but the country in general. So I guess, heck with this. If you did this, we're going to get you. So in other words, it made Israel more stark. However, I just want to warn. They're not dumb. They knew, had to know, Israel's going to invade the Gaza Strip. I'm sure they set up booby traps and stuff like that everywhere. I'm, I, I hope I'm wrong. And I pray for this to Tzahal. But I'm worried because they're good at that sort of thing, right? Which they picked up from the North Koreans and the Vietnamese and the this group and that group and the other group and uh, Taliban and all this other business. There's a long, you know, um, there's a long uh, 
what's the right word, uh, history of this sort of business. And as a result, um, you know, I'm sure they're planning how to, they're planning to deal with Israeli invasion. Israel must know this, but I don't know. You know, let me tell you something. I could have told you, in fact, I said many times in my speeches years ago, he says, the Hamas will never give up. They are who they are. Don't underestimate them and don't underestimate them morally. In their idea, this is the Mitzvah Gedola, and they'll never change. They want to wipe out Israel. They'll never stop. But nobody ever wanted to listen to me. And obviously, the Israeli government's not listening to a pipsqueak like myself. And they persuaded themselves, you know, that, that, that you know that kind of thinking is, is wrong. And they probably said, we have spies on the inside and we have secret contacts with the Europeans and the others, and we know it's not true. But it turns out, again, I'm sorry to say, that they were all wrong. I was right. <laughs> uh, I, I don't say that in a good way, you know. So the question then becomes like this. So what do you do? I don't have a, I don't have a solution. What I mean to say is like this. Theoretically, theoretically, the only thing Israel can do is kill all the Hamas big shots. Ah, what's the chance? They're going to hide here. They're going to hide there. They'll run away to another country. I mean, how are you going to do that? And if you don't do that, then the Hamas will go on. I'm sure they have their extra people in other countries already because, again, they're smart. They think three chess, chess moves ahead, you know. And so how is Israel going to solve this? Are they going to conquer the, the, the Gaza Strip? Now, I'll tell you right now, at least in my understanding, because they killed so many civilians... And so horrifically, Israel right now is willing to take casualties. And so they'll go and they'll lose men, which a few years ago would be unthinkable if they lost 10, 20, 30, 50 men, or more. The whole newspapers would be going crazy and this and that and the other. And the parents would be marching and say, you killed our children. Not now. They saw who these people are and they're looking to, you know, to get them. And so not now. But still, you know, you don't know how long that feeling lasts. Uh, right now, at the moment, I don't know if Bibi's the right guy to do this. I don't know who is. But it's like Roosevelt in Pearl Harbor, you know, in America. He wanted to get into World War II for the right reason, but the, he knew the American people wouldn't support him. Only when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, everybody rallied around him. But then he had to keep the, the National Union for three years, which wasn't so easy. So Israel, right now, at this moment, is less than a week after the whole thing started. So the public is all behind, you know, the war. But I don't know if it's going to continue once they start having a bomb here and a bomb there and a, and a wounded person this and a wounded person that and killed. It, that's what war is. Don't fool yourself. So, ich weiß nicht. You understand? Now, again, they must know this, but I don't know. You know, sometimes I tell them that they know this, they know this, and the army does stupid things. One thing that really drives me crazy is when BB and these other guys make these big speeches, we're going to do things that will reverberate for generations and they use all this language, which is the wrong thing to do. When it comes to wars, and Marma Atvar Bay. instead the Israeli leadership in the last bunch of wars, ever since 73, is which is terrible. You don't use this kind of language. You just say, we'll do whatever we do, and just shut up and let the army do it, if they can do it. You know, you don't say beforehand. I remember they said, we're going to kill Nasrallah in the 2006 war, and we're going to do this, we're going to do that, pound you in the bits. It doesn't happen. And so the Arabs watch this, and they know Israel just talking. You see? So it's it's very, very rough. So the question the, all of us intelligent people have to focus on the next couple of days is, what is the goal of Israel? Right? I mean, they killed a bunch of our people. Now, what exactly do we do? 
if we simply kill a bunch of their people, especially civilians, the Hamas doesn't care about that. You know, to them, human life is garnished. Only their lives count, right? Them and their families. And Israel knows that very well. Are you going to be able to kill the Hamas leaders? And if you do, what would happen? They would pull out and some other type Hamas group will grow up. Well, maybe yes, maybe no. We'll see. But right now, we know what we have is a situation where you have a government and a group in there, the Hamas, who will not change their stripes. They will never stop trying to kill Israel. When I say kill Israel, I mean kill everybody. I mean, literally. The only reason they didn't kill more people is they didn't weren't able to. If, they, if, if it was in their hands to do so, they would do like Hitler. They killed 7 million people. When, it wouldn't bother them a bit. I, I mean, you know that based on what you see. So, uh, so this is the problem. Israel allowed itself to be lulled into sleeping, into thinking that Damas is moderating. They took advantage of this very cleverly to make a surprise attack. The surprise attack could only be a raid. When I first heard about this on Shabbos morning, somebody came and told me in Shoal, as does the case of most of you who live in Kutzlaritz, it sounded like the whole Israel was being invaded from all, you know, top and bottom, right and left. They told me they were parachuting into Rakhova and all this sort of thing. You know, the fog of war. Now it seems clear that they launched a localized raid. It's terrible. They killed all these civilians. I mean, I get it. But that's what it is. No, they don't have the power to do more. But, um, but this way, I think, they're able to say to the other Palestinians, see, we're doing stuff where the others are just talking. So when Abu Mazen dies in the West Bank, we're the ones that the public should support because we killed a bunch of Jews as more than the rest of these guys did together. We killed a thousand Jews. Who can, you know, who can match us? And believe me, you know and I know it, among the Palestinians and the Arabs in general, they'll say, oh, the Hamas are tough guys. They're stark. They're great. And uh, and that way they'll, they'll try to take over the West Bank. Uh, so that's the next stage that I see. How Lebanon fits into Hezbollah is not clear. Obviously, Iran knew about it, but Iran plays a very clever game, extremely clever. They're much smarter than the Arabs. And, you know, they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I've already gone for 30-some minutes. So uh, let me just conclude by saying the situation is still in flux. Uh, the, the, the physical invasion of the God Strip is about to happen or is happening now. Everybody's aware that they're going to have all kinds of sneaky tricks to kill and, and maim as many as they can. And on our side over here, we have to support them and daven for them. And we have special learning sessions. And last night was to him and all the rest. And obviously we're sending money and whatever... We can do but um you know the, the war makes no sense unless it's in the pursuit of a clear policy you understand? war makes no sense unless it's in the pursuit of a clear policy very often in history that rule is is, is neglected and uh, and there's a price to pay so I'm not sure if Israel certainly has not articulated, as far as I know, a clear goal, a clear policy of what this war is about, other than revenge. You understand? Other than punishing the guys that did it. Punishing guys that did it, I get it. I mean, I hear the word. I'm in favor of that also, but it's not a policy. So next time, the question we have to deal with is, you know, what should be the policy, if, if any? And here I am sounding like, I don't know, you know, Rush Limbaugh or something like that. But I was asked this, to share a few thoughts, so that's what I did. So uh, there you go, Avrami Maring.
For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.